Welcome to the One Up Project. Money is fuel that, that allows you to do things. It doesn't need to be taboo. What you don't want to do is wake up at 65 realising you did something you hated and have regret. Go and find people who will give you advice for nothing. This is a space for personal growth and money chat with new perspectives every Monday. This bit of content, listening to this, is going to be a small little breadcrumb of something that makes them think a little bit differently. For all the things we were never taught but should have been. At the end of the day, the most important person is yourself. And if you're not happy with your own choices, then you're never going to be happy. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the One Up Project podcast. Today I have the privilege of speaking with Tikahu Kura Boynton, founder of Māori Millionaire podcast, blog and tool to help empower and create access for more Māori to be financially literate. Thank you so much for giving me your time. How are you? Hi, good morning. I'm great, thanks. Um, It's quite cold at the moment, but you know, I'm keen to have a chat about finance and everything yeah for sure yeah I have so many places to begin there's so much I could say we had a chat um earlier in the week just before we recorded this to so I could kind of get a better idea of your story and honestly it's really cool what you're doing um amazing especially at just 18 you've done so much so give us an overview of what your life looks like at the moment you're doing so many things give us the rundown yes so I'm currently a student at the University of Waikato I'm studying a Bachelor of Laws and majoring in Māori and Indigenous Studies. So, um, you know, the end goal is to practice law, be a lawyer. Um, but I do Māori Millennial on the side and I, I just love finance. I have a knack for finance and I just love the idea of growing money and making it work for you as a tool as opposed to it um, being used against us, which is um, what a lot of Māori face, especially um, we have some of the highest poverty statistics, homelessness issues, and I just think money can be used as a tool that can just just be amazing for us, you know? Um, Absolutely. So, yeah, I'm studying law and running the podcast, and, yeah, I live in Hamilton, so. Amazing. Thanks for having me. Oh, honestly, my, um, my pleasure. Whenever I see your content going up, I am learning so much because still, even <clears throat> though, you know, there's – podcasts like ours and this these resources like ours trying to bring a bit more accessible language to financial literacy there's still not many and so even when I'm like looking through my feed I'm like oh thank god something I can finally understand you'd think that you know we'd be surrounded by it all the time and luckily we know people in the community but there's still not that many people so it's so nice to have a resource like yours that I can look at and and learn from and so what inspired you to start Māori Millionaire like when did you have the idea and I know you started it like actually a little while ago and kind of then took a break so tell us about that story. Yeah so in 2019 I was in my fifth fifth year of boarding school so I went to St Joseph's Māori Girls College and then um, my papa died and so we moved to Tokorua to look after my nan after that had happened and so I was just, I had a lot of free time on my hands. I moved to Tokorua, and so um, for those that don't know, Tokorua is a small town. There's not much there, and um, <laughs> it's, it's a very, it's like a ghost town. And so I had so much free time, and because I already love finance, I was like, oh, I should start a blog, you know, because I'd read lots of things of side hustles and what kind of side hustles you could start, and blogging was for sure 
um, on all of the lists. Um, and so initially I started it, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, I could make money from this. Um, and that didn't happen. <laughs> and so I just used it to kind of journey my, or kind of journal my, my journey through finance. And I would just write things like, this is a new side hustle I've tried out mm. and um, I've tried surveys this week and I made $5. It was, you know, just a diary for me to kind of see. And I thought that people might be interested, but that didn't really pan out. Um, but I continued to use it. And then this year, my New Year's goal was to kind of, kind of grow Multimillionaire and turn it into something um, as a resource so that other people can use it. And yeah, so this year I've really worked on building it so that other people can have access to these tools in like a basic format. And I know that's quite similar with the One Up Project. So Mm. just kind of like simplifying these finance terms so that everyone can use them. Absolutely. Um, And you're a great example of doing that as well. Being able to use money as a tool and not something that creates fear and and scarcity in your life and it's quite hard because there is still very much a stigma around talking about money and there's something so valuable about watching someone else's story and that's something I've always tried to stay quite true to and, and honestly something that you've inspired me to stay true to as well as being completely honest and vulnerable within that story and and just sharing what you're going through because maybe it's not necessarily the best or the right or the most effective or whatever it is but being able to watch someone go through that before you is obviously one of the most reassuring and helpful things that you can do and sharing those experiences it seems like you obviously have quite a strong drive in general you have a lot going on you know um, you're committed to so many areas of your life where do you think that this drive came from? I guess growing up, I saw a lot of struggle going on around me. And I know this is true for, for a lot of people, not just Māori, but Māori um, especially. And I think that just growing up and seeing that, you know, some communities are just impacted a lot more than others by certain things like poverty and, you know, things like this, health issues, it just kind of made me see the world from a different perspective, from a different lens that, you know, it's not all rainbows and butterflies, Mm. (laughs) you know, as some people kind of portray it to be. And so I just, I was always sad by this. Like I was just like a young girl, like sad to see all this pain around me, you know, that adults were struggling and that, you know, my community was, you know, we were a poor community, Well, we still are, we're poor people and we we have to work a lot harder to achieve the same things and that just made me really sad and i i've always wanted to kind of make an impact and and finance was something that i've always loved and so this was just my little contribution to try and try and help change things for our people my brother and i were he lives in london he's he went to university there and he's working there now um but he recently came home and it was the first time i'd seen him in three years which was you know really cool but we were just talking about um different things in our childhood and how it 
impacted us. So, you know, just things like like family violence, which are just kind of seen as just the norm for us. Like, mm. you know, we make jokes about it because it's like, you know, just something that happens. And so growing up and we're kind of meeting new people and surrounding ourselves by different types of people, we're realising that, like, you know, this isn't actually normal <laughs> and it's not a good thing. And and he was talking to me about this idea that in order to make a change, you have to kind of be stronger than whatever is keeping you in this position. And so, like, what he kind of means is that, you know, if something is happening in your family, you know, like mum smokes and, you know, we're teen mums and things like that, the way to change it is to be stronger than this normal mm. and to kind of break out of this and so for my family you know a lot of us do have children early and we don't really go to uni things like that mm. and so my brother and I do we've been to well I'm at uni and he has graduated it's about just like breaking these cycles which is really difficult for a lot of people but worth it in the long run mm extremely difficult extremely difficult and to have that kind of insight the way you do is is so special um and I think that you're exactly right and using finance as a way to do that and to be able to share that with others is so important because it's so commonly misunderstood generally um, and especially, you know, within our Māori communities. So I think that being able to be vulnerable in your journey is going to inspire so many other people to do that. Maybe not easier, but be able to make the first step, which is half the battle. Like I often say that generally with, say, the podcast, like when it comes to sorting out your money, it's like a bell curve, you know, getting up like this is always the hardest part like the first part of the journey and then sure. getting to the top is like this oh you're literally just pushing shit uphill it's so hard and then once you kind of have that first breakthrough or first something that motivates you or clicks or makes sense it then feels a lot easier as you're coming down the other side of the bell curve because you now realize that it's actually possible in some way or something's possible for sure the thing I love about the one up project and kind of this idea of content creation is that like we're on this journey too you know like I know for you and for me we're you know we're working towards this and we're not like we haven't made it in any way mm. and we're like none of none of our resources or anything are trying to say that you know we're on this journey too we're still hustling and trying to build this financial independence and make money work for us and like we don't know all the answers and that's why these communities are so important because we're able to share these ideas around finance and you know this idea of like collective wisdom you know to <laughs> share ideas which is awesome absolutely and it's hard you know to have that level of vulnerability do you ever find it difficult to share things or do you often feel that understanding the benefits outweigh your fear around it I definitely have fears around being vulnerable especially because you know, we're not just one person, we come from a family, and so when we share things, and people know who you are, then it directly impacts the people around you, mm. so, you know, if I bring up things about my childhood, then it, it, it brings up, you know, my mum, or my, my brother, and you know, and so 
it's just about being careful about what I say because I don't want to negatively impact my own family but also being as transparent as I can which is awesome and I think that through vulnerable vulnerability (laughs) um allows other people to kind of connect with you which is something that is really important especially with like personal finance podcasts and blogs because it's not common I feel like lots of lots of the blogs and stuff on the internet there's no connection for you know us at home and that's another reason why I started multi-millionaire was you know growing up you just see all of these like even like rich dad poor dad an amazing book but like the connection is like you know American or like something just totally far-fetched from our own lives that it's just like I can't relate you know you've completely hit the nail on the head as to why I wanted to start the one-up project um you're exactly right and now you you have been building this community and it seems like you have had that connection with so many people how does that feel how has that connection impacted you I think it's awesome you know I every day when I get to you know go on Instagram or something and just see people commenting and saying oh my god I'm exactly the same or something like that it's just it's incredible because we're able to just build connection and I feel like that's such an important thing because we're able to build on this and from these similarities amongst totally different people, we're able to build better solutions, better problem solving and, you know, I get to learn from my followers and stuff all the time and, you know, they share resources with me, which I'm able to share with everyone and I just think that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can absolutely relate to that as well. It's nice for you, you know, when you're putting yourself out there and being vulnerable to have people say, oh, I feel the same. It's like, oh, thank God. I thought I was the only one there for a second. (laughs) With your financial journey, how did you get started? Like, practically, what was the first thing you did that was you being in control of your own money? I started working when I was 14. I worked at this restaurant in Napier, which is where I was living at at the time. And I washed dishes and I think I had like, I got like $170 a week. It was like 12 hour, 12 hour days. And I just did Saturdays because that's all I was allowed to do. I wasn't, my mum didn't let me work during the week because she had this idea that um, school was your only job and you had to do well on that and that's it. And so I begged and begged and begged to be able to work (laughs) and, um, she was like, you know, you have your whole life to work. There's no need to bring it forward. And I I was always like, but no, money works better over the long term. I need to start now. Oh, my you know, God. Wow. <laughs> At 14. And, so, <laughs> and she's like, no, Kahu, like, you can um, just stay at school. You can work when you're finished uni. And I'll be like, no, that's too late. I want to buy a house by then. <laughs> and so it was just you know, we had been arguing about this for like years. And so when she finally let me get a job at 14, um, the money that came in, I saved most of it. And I, at that time, I, I'm not sure if Sharesies was out then. Um, but if it was, I didn't know about it. And I had this idea, you just needed a brokerage to, to be able to invest and stuff. And, you know, I didn't know how to do that. So I just thought saving it would be the best thing I could do. And so I just saved, saved, saved. And then 
I guess once I learned about um, sharesies and hatch and things like that, I was able to start investing later. But basically from 14 until now, I've always had a part-time job whilst at school and now at uni. So I've I've worked at Macca's, fish and chip shops. Um, I've done admin for law firms. Like I've done a whole range of jobs. Um, and then from there, I just... I'm still studying all the time about finance and where best to put my money. And so for a long time, I had a lot of savings just in a term deposit or, you know, something like that, because I had this idea that I never, ever want to get into debt. Mm. And so that the one way I could do that is by having a huge emergency fund. Um, my mum is the queen of... <laughs> of credit card debt and so that just it scared me a lot um the idea of being burdened by such a big bill or you know and it accumulates and it just looked really scary for me and so I had this idea that a big savings account would help me to never get into debt but you know after starting multi-millionaire I started reassessing everything and thinking a bit deeper about why I'm doing the things I'm doing. And I had decided that it would be really hard for me to invest this money, but I knew logically that it would be the best thing to do. And so I had about 11K in savings at that point, and I put that into my KiwiSaver and my ShareZ account so that it could grow. <laughs> and that was the scariest thing for me. <laughs> Um, but I did it. Mm. How did you like, like, what was the thing that convinced you to do it, even though it was so scary? I was, I remember having an argument in the car with my brother about it because he's into investing and stuff too. And he told me that it was like stupid to just have it in the savings account. And he was literally telling me the things that I talk about all the time, that savings accounts um, they're not going to beat inflation. So you're actually losing money in the long term by keeping it in there. He was telling me this, <laughs> the things that I already knew logically, but I just couldn't do it emotionally because I was scared of ever getting into debt. And then we were arguing, my mum was in the back and she goes, Kahu, you're just, you're not even, you don't even have a sound argument as to why it's in there. And so it was there that I didn't want to admit that I was wrong, but I I did later that I was wrong and I decided to put it in to Shares and KiwiSaver because I knew like logically that it would grow in an investment and it would depreciate in a savings account, especially with the inflation rates right now. Mm. I have I had quite a similar experience when I first started investing. I had the same amount of money, eleven grand around and I was so scared about investing it because I was just like you know you've got all this money in this safe secure spot and then you're going to put it into this thing where there's a risk that well in my head it was like there's a risk I'm going to lose it all but I think when you have that fear it's actually as a result of not understanding necessarily the likelihood of of that and how the share markets work but yeah I was I was very scared as well and then I ended up doing the same thing as you putting I put it all into investments I put sorry I put like 
70% of it into investments and then the other 30% of it I spent on the one-up project. And so that was scary as well because I was thinking, well, what what am I spending money on here? Like, <laughs> it's, it's more of a passion project. It wasn't necessarily like a business, um, you know, so it felt hard to justify. But I think that it was came down to the exact same things for me. It was like, what is it doing for me in the bank right now when I'm literally learning about this stuff every day? So I can completely resonate with that. And what? how did you make a decision on what you were going to put that money into? Well, basically my stock portfolio is basically um, a mixture of the S&P 500 and then a few of the New Zealand ones. And... I my brain just works in a weird way where I need the numbers to be um, round <laughs> at the end, <laughs> and so you know if I put in um, if there's like five hundred dollars in there, then it has to go up to six hundred dollars. It can't be like <laughs> it has to be even, and so with the ten k, I had to put. It, <laughs> this is so hard to explain, but it had to be round every single investment I had on Chessies because it had to look nice. <laughs> so I put all of my money into funds, pretty much, and most of it's in the S&P 500, but I also have some in the Smart Shares, or I think I've changed it to Macquarie, the Ethical Leaders one, and the... I also invest in the Tahitor one, so that's like a Māori one, mm. and it's really cool because it kind of brings into um, your portfolio a bit of Māori tanga and ethical investing, which awesome. is a really cool, cool way to incorporate it. I had in New Zealand, in New Zealand shares, um, and with the rights offer, I decided to buy them because at that point I did have quite a, I had a quite a diverse portfolio at the start where I was investing in individual companies but my methods have kind of changed and I mainly invest in um, managed funds now Mm -hmm. so Air New Zealand is the only one which is an individual company now in my portfolio. I'm quite similar in, in how I invest I have one individual share individual company I invest in and the rest of funds because it's just easier and I don't want to have to check it all the time. <laughs> For sure. Like, I don't have time to be researching, um, you know, how Tesla's doing today and, mm. you know, things like that. Like, uh, we're both busy people. Um, I know you work and, you know, I've got uni assignments to do. I don't have time to be checking it all the time. And so managed funds are just an easy way to be put your money to work but you know you don't really have to think about it totally and it it easily it's an, a very easy way to diversify quickly because I think that's something that's really important when people get into investing specifically beginners is that they understand the value of diversification and why that matters because I think once you understand that concept it actually teaches you a lot about the share market in general and, and why certain things are said um so that's a, another great thing about funds. Because you're such an incredible resource, what resources do you look to for info surrounding money and personal finance? Give us all your faves and, yeah, I want to know them all. For sure. So I grew up loving 
um so these are two like polar opposite youtube channels which is cool. strange but i lo- i just take bits from both of them and one of them is graham stephan i don't know if you've heard of no. him um and the other is dave ramsey so they have totally different approaches to finance um graham's all about leveraging your money and and you know using debt to build wealth and then dave ramsey is obviously the opposite with um no debt at all and so they're really cool because they're both like really far out on the spectrum and so for me personally it's about kind of mixing a bit of both so using the logic to kind of you know like a mortgage for a rental property or investing in real estate would make me money but Dave kind of has this approach where all debt is bad debt which I disagree with personally but so those are two that I love on YouTube I do love Investopedia um those are just really good for like learning basic terms or learning different investing um, methods so you know about crypto even like they have everything on there which is cool and then for podcasts the one up project um yeah to say that obviously <laughs> <laughs> no I just love um the New Zealand one so girls that invest also um there's also another the happy saver mm-hmm. oh and on Instagram I love the market hustle it's quite a generic account like you can't see the person behind it but you know they're just cool little bite-sized pieces that you can get every day yeah what do you look for in those resources is it just things that are easy and quick to digest yeah for sure I think one of the biggest things about growing your kind of personal finance knowledge is having accessible resources for you so if one tip that I love is going through your whoever you're following I do it quite regularly and if if who you're following isn't um, helping you meet your goals or helping you, um, making you feel better, then just taking them out, you know, because if you're, whoever you're, you can tell a lot about someone by who they're following and if they're following, you know, finance, finance people and people who meet their goals and, you know, all about mental health and all these different things, you can see a lot about the person and what they, mm. what they're working on. And so that's one so if your newsfeed is full of cool finance quotes and things like that then that's for sure going to help you meet your goals Mm, totally like just surrounding yourself by that information I'm a massive fan of curating your social media feed to be something that promotes like personal growth so I think you're so right with that Uh, what is do you think has been one of the most important things that you've learned about personal finance to this point. I mean, you've obviously soaked so much information up, um, but what is something, either a rule or a general thing that you've learned that you feel like has stuck with you? I think that it's don't do things just because other people are. Mm. And so an example for me is I recently quit vaping and I, (laughs) it's terrible. And I started vaping because people around me were and, and so once I started delving into, like, my inner self, I realized that's why I was doing it. And learning to kind of debunk these myths in your head was key to it. And so logically, knowing that um, vaping is a cost to not only my health, but also my finances, 
but then also emotionally understanding why you're doing the things you're doing. So to not do things that people around you are doing will help you meet your goals. So that's my favorite one, not do things just because other people are doing them. I have a very similar one I stick to uh, that I have to be able to justify everything I do for that exact same reason. It's like, well, at the end of the day, whether people don't agree with me or um, whatever it is, as long as I can justify why I'm doing that thing and why it's good for me, then then that's the main thing. And it has to be a deep level justification, not just like a high level. I want this because I want this. It's like, why is it important to you? And the introspective thought that you have with being being able to do that with vaping is actually so hard. So I hope you're giving yourself credit for for that because it's definitely not an easy thing to do. For sure. And I think that it's marketed towards us to, you know, get into these things. And one thing I really just would stress is just to, before you start, just think about what benefit will you get out of doing this? And the answer is nothing really. Mm. Um, but, yeah, just to think about why you're doing things is really important. Yeah, and do you see that around you? Like, what's something that you think most people get wrong about personal finance? I think the biggest one is that you need lots of money to start, mm. which is not true at all. Um, you know, you can start investing with $5, you know. Um, and if you – one of the biggest ones, I think, is – it's a lot easier to increase your income than it is to reduce your spending. And so depending on your situation, if you're a high spender, then would be easier to reduce your spending. But for lots of um, Māori communities, we have low incomes already. Mm. And so it's a lot easier to build side hustles and things like that than to cut your costs down because most of the time we just, we only earn enough to pay the bills and stuff. And so, Increasing your income will allow you to um, get started with your journey. So big no to needing lots of money to get started. Exactly. When you're already stretched to every cent um, because you've reviewed your expenses and you've allocated every dollar to something meaningful, there's just no room for being able to put money elsewhere or it's not a priority, which is completely understandable. And so building your income, what are some examples of that? One that I always talk about is um, mowing lawns and I used to do this with my papa so he was a big hustler, he would, um, he was a school teacher but he also had a part-time job at BP um, wow. gas. and then he also, he also mowed lawns and he was, he was 72 when he died but like he was doing all of this whilst he was 72 and so mowing lawns is awesome because you get to, you know, get outdoors and also make some money mm. so that's one really cool one. Um, and you're also doing something good for other people, you know, who don't have time to mow their own lawns. Cleaning. So I really think that, you know, a lot of people, we're like scared to do these crappy jobs. We're too cool for these jobs. Mm. But I think it's not true. You know, everyone can do something. And if you, if you have one little job you do for someone, if you clean their house for two hours a week, you know, that could be like, 50 bucks a week which you can put solely into investing or saving at the start I definitely think um, exchanging time for money is how you're able to build things but then later on I think you know building 
content creation is awesome because you're able to make money through that blogging podcasting things like that creating your own business so my partner has a water water bottle company called waihuadere where they sell water bottles and so that's a cool one too to make money I think the world is your oyster. There's so many opportunities to make money out there. You just got to find them. I think, like you said, there's also other benefits or things that you can get out of those jobs as opposed to just the extra money. But when you do have that, you can point it towards other thing that you that you couldn't before, like investing um, or whatever is actually important to you. How would you suggest that someone start to become financially empowered or take control of of their money I mean increasing our income could be one way and what other ways do you think we can do that I think that taking a look at your so if you print out all your bank statements for you know the last three months even and you get a notepad and you write down or you highlight every single place that you've spent money at which wasn't a necessity it's hugely influential just to be able to see that on a piece of paper that wow, I spent $1,000 on takeaways over X amount of time. You know, you're able to see things because every time we swipe the card, we're not actually thinking about it a lot of the time. And so if you're able to see it through a bigger picture, you're able to see how crazy these money um, money habits we have are actually impacting us. And so a lot of the time we're kind of saying, I don't have money to do that or blah, blah, blah. But if you actually take a look at your your bank statement you'll be able to see that you do but you're spending it on something else definitely tracking expenses so, that's yeah. a huge one what's something that has allowed you to get over the the hump mentally of starting to learn about money or starting to talk about it with other people so um i would say that in tell maori we have this concept of being whakahihi which is being like cocky and so um, it's whakahihi to talk about money. Um, and this is something that I've been taught my whole life in that, you know, don't talk about money, don't tell people how much money you have, how much money you earn. And culturally, this is really significant. And I still try and maintain this in my head. But I also think what negative things comes from this And I think that the positive things outweigh the negatives in this. So talking about money is going to encourage people to take hold of their finances and not talking about money creates the stigma that money is a bad thing that shouldn't be talked about, which isn't true. Challenging cultural beliefs or or family beliefs is really hard, Mm. but necessary. Mm. And that allows me to get over that hump, you know, to... Because I'm literally going against my own family and my culture by talking about money because it's something that I've been taught not to do. It seems so difficult to be able to do that, just generally open up those conversations, but to do that when it's kind of going against how you've been raised or or those beliefs, it would be incredibly difficult. What kind of change do you think that we need to see in order to make financial literacy more accessible to Māori and, and other minority groups or communities so I have this really cool way of you know I think that if we're able to empower the parents then they're able to empower their own children and so if we're able to provide these resources to you know people our age who are who are having children then they can do this at home with their own kids and then that's going to build generational 
kind of financial literacy amongst our our whole community basically and so making finances or financial literacy accessible for the parents so by providing you know our resources podcasting um blogs and social media then we're gonna offer these free resources for the parents to be able to um learn about their own finances take hold of them and then naturally what comes from that is open conversations in their own families about this so once someone becomes empowered with their personal finance then they're going to be talking to their kids about it and and so on and so forth absolutely yeah I think that transfer of information um passing down across generations like knowledge across generations of people is is so important within doing all of this you know you have so much going on as we spoke about earlier do you have like routines or processes that allow you to be more productive to get more done to empower more people yeah so I really love this um I have this like one hour kind of philosophy where I work for one hour and then I do something else so um, you know, with COVID and stuff, a lot of us are working from home. So I, you know, if I'm in my study, I'm working for one hour and I'm studying and stuff. And then for my little break, I'll do something else productive around the house, like put a load of washing on or something. And so, or even with Modi Millionaire, I'll, you know, do my uni work for one hour and then I'll make a post to Instagram or something. So just being able to break up your day in one hour slots at one, it makes it a lot more achievable to just think you know this is only one hour and then I get a break every hour um but also it allows you to fit the little things into your day too so I love the one hour kind of method well thank you so much for jumping on today you know you've you you were doing so much to empower your community Maori uh and people in general so where can everyone listening find you when they want to go and listen to your podcast, read your blog, and follow you? Yeah, so if you just Google Multi Millionaire, it will come up. But we have the podcast on, on Spotify, and it's just being um, released on Apple Podcasts too. So um, there's the blog, www.multimillionaire.com. But we also have Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. So if you search Multi Millionaire on there, it will come up. All right. Well, that's all, guys. Thank you so much again to Kahukura for your time. You are amazing. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks so much, Sarah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The One Up Project. If you want to find more stuff just like this, check out our other apps or follow us at The One Up Project on Instagram or TikTok. See you there. Disclaimer time. So. The One Up Project is an educational platform providing information that is general in nature and has no intention of being financial advice. There may be opinions or an individual's experience within this resource that should not be considered as recommendations or personal advice. Everyone's financial situation is so different and you must use the information provided within the podcast at your own risk. Please complete your own due diligence before making any financial decisions based on the information within this resource. I'm not a qualified, registered or authorized financial advisor and if you require legal, financial or other expert advice, you should seek assistance from a professional advisor. Thanks guys.